2: It's a tradition on every Tuesday of the football season, starting with week one. The power rankings, completely meaningless, non-binding. When football, they figure it out on the field. You qualify for the playoffs, and then you work your way through the tournament. However, there's something about seeing all 32 teams, and there's the top 16, as you can see, ranked together, even before any games have been played, Shereen. I didn't even, like... I just kind of got the thought over the weekend, hey, you know, football season's coming. I probably should do power rankings on Tuesday, and I did. And people got fired up. They get engaged. They get passionate. I love that. I love that people get upset about it. I love that they have that that fire and brimstone for their favorite team. That's what brings them to the game. That's what gets them to tune in. That's what gets them to read BFT and watch this show. They care very deeply about the teams they follow. So I, I was happy with all the animosity that this collection of 32 teams created yesterday.
1: Yeah, they do it in college football too, Mike. Same thing. Why is my team ranked so low? Why did we move up after this win, et cetera, et cetera? So they're passionate about football, but guess what? It is meaningless. If, if your team goes out and wins every single game at the end of the year, I would bet they're going to be number one on that power ranking.
2: And it's not a prediction of how the season's going to go. It's where the teams currently are. And there is a clear element of history that factors into it. It's where they were, what they've done, what the overall vibe is around the team, and where they fit relative to each other. And the reality is there has to be someone at 32. There has to be someone at 28. There has to be someone at 19. You can't have all the teams clustered into the top 10. That's the problem, and that's why I think it pisses so many people off. Something like this disrupts the bubble, right, the delusion into which fans can allow themselves to reside when their team is 0-0 and because you can make yourself think we're better than that team, we're better than that team, we're better than that team. We're a top 10 team, to get back to the point we were making – Earlier in the show, top half quarterback, top half team. Well, (laughs) look at all the teams. You don't fit in the top half. And Shereen, the one that got the most reaction that I noticed was the Broncos at 19, because there is a lot of optimism around the Broncos. There is. You've got Russell Wilson. You've got new ownership. You've got a team that hasn't made it to the playoffs since they won the Super Bowl seven years ago. That's one of the reasons why they're 19. They haven't been to the playoffs in seven years. They're in a division that is cripplingly difficult right now. You look at the four teams in the AFC West, who's number four? It's the Broncos somebody's right gotta now.
1: Finish last.
2: Somebody's yeah. got to be Somebody's got to be in fourth, and somebody's got to be 19th. So I think for a lot of Broncos fans who have been caught up in this optimism, this let's ride, this everything's great, everything's awesome, I think it was just a cold splash of water in their face yesterday. When you look at the teams – and when I worked on it over the weekend, it's like, hey, this is where they fit. This is where they fall. This is where they are. It's up to them. The, the power is in their hands to rise up from 19. And if they do, they will have earned it.
1: And they'll get plenty of chances to do that, Mike. I do have a question. Do you always do the Super Bowl champion as number one coming into the next season? Or could they have taken a step back, say, if the Rams lost some of those players, they, they would take a step back and you might have them lower than one?
2: I'm a firm believer in King of the Hill. And as I said in the actual power rankings with the descriptions, the bad news is there's only one direction you can go if you're the Rams. And there hasn't been anyone who's been wired a wire number one, but they're the Kings of the Hill. And I think it would take quarterback retirement or major exodus of talent. Coach leaves something along those lines to get a team not reinstalled as number one. And, Chances are, you know, they're going to lose a game and there's going to be somebody else in striking distance who's undefeated who takes the number one spot. That That's going to happen. It could happen as soon as Thursday night, given that they're two-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Buffalo Bills who come in at number three. I'm surprised there weren't more complaints from Bills fans about only being number three uh, since they are the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl. Let's take some questions that were submitted last night via Twitter. (laughs) These are the things that we can actually use. The observations that don't have to have words blurred out of them because people were so upset. (laughs) Chef Uh Nick 80, which team do you think has the best chance of rising the most spots in the current rankings? And Shereen, I would have to say the team that came in, I believe at number 29, the Jaguars. I think they're at 29. We may have to pull up the graphic to be sure about that there they are at 29 and there was a team that was at number 29 last year that ended up doing pretty well from themselves they are the cincinnati bengals so you know with urban meyer gone doug peterson a super bowl winning coach in plenty of talented players on both sides of the ball i look at the in that last column 25 through 32 i look at the jaguars as the team that's got the greatest chance to climb what do you think
1: well, I'm going to go with the Saints at, at 20th, and I actually have them winning that division over the Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers go into the playoffs. And I know, and I gr- I do agree with you, losing Sean Payton, the Saints are going to lose something there, especially at play caller, not having him on the sideline. But you think about their history with Tom Brady and, and beating the Buccaneers the way they have – if they do that again this year, they're going to have a really good chance to win that division. And I, I think they have a really good roster. So I think the Saints have a good chance to move up from 20th. And I look at the, the Dolphins there, too. I think they have a chance to, to move up from 18. So those would be the two teams probably at the bottom there that I think have the best chance to move up. What do we think of the Panthers? I mean, are we underestimating? Does Baker Mayfield have a chance to make a big difference there?
2: I think the key for the Panthers is, can they keep Christian McCaffrey healthy and other key players healthy? And can Baker Mayfield thrive whenever adversity strikes? I think that's one of the reasons they had a quarterback competition at a psychological level. They wanted to see how he would deal with it. They're trying to see, is he maturing? Has he learned from what happened last year in Cleveland? I think the, the Panthers could be contenders, but you got to have Christian McCaffrey available, and you got you got Ben McAdoo as your offensive coordinator, and Matt Rule's on the hot seat. This is something that could get knocked sideways pretty easily for the Panthers, but I could see them becoming a very competitive team, and I think they're going to win this weekend, week one, when the Browns come to town, and that leads to this next question from Best Bark in Sea Town: What would the Browns be ranked if they had Deshaun Watson for a full season? Well, they wouldn't be 21. I would probably have them... Bottom of top 10 in that range, 9, 10, 11, something like that. If Deshaun Watson didn't have any of these issues, if he wasn't going to be suspended, if there wasn't this vibe just kind of lingering around the team that they've sold their souls all in the name of winning a Super Bowl at some point in the next five years. I think if they just got Deshaun Watson without any of these entanglements, they'd be 9, 10, 11 in my mind, Shereen.
1: Yeah, I think they would be better than the Cowboys, who you have at 10, Mike. So I agree with that, probably in that right 10 range, uh, probably higher than the Cowboys are. But you have all those other things going into this and him not being there. So I think they're ranked about where they should be right now.
2: I actually think 21 is kind of kind. We'll see how they do, though, with Jacoby Brissett as the starting quarterback (laughs) and how many wins they can finagle in the 11 games that Deshaun Watson will miss. Um, Next question from mapozo what made the ravens miss out on the top 10 and there they are at number 12 i mean it ultimately is a numbers game and i i i'm concerned about the lamar jackson contract situation more than i was last year because last year he wasn't thinking about it he wasn't trying to get a deal done he was locked in on football he wasn't engaging at all with the ravens in an effort to get a contract this year something has happened to cause him to recognize I should probably go ahead and get my contract. And it makes me wonder when you look at the injury he had last year against the Browns, took a low hit. It was a clean hit. He was out of the pocket, not a violation of the rules in any way, shape or form, but it messed up his ankle. He missed some time. I, I think that it's how can you not at some point hear the noise that you play the position in a more physical way than any other quarterback in the league at some point, the hits are going to accumulate and you're going to get injured or you're just not going to be able to play like you used to. You could have the Cam Newton thing where there's really nothing seriously wrong with Cam Newton physically. He just was so banged up over 10 years in football. He can't do it anymore. That's what Lamar Jackson is looking at eventually, potentially. And that's why he needs to get paid. So Shereen, my big concern is will he be more hesitant and careful until he gets his contract? And also, I don't know how I feel about Lamar Jackson at 230 pounds. We've seen this dynamic in the NFL this year where multiple quarterbacks suddenly have the Takiyo Spikes neck. That's how kind of big and thick they are. Jimmy Garoppolo has it. Trevor Lawrence has it. Lamar Jackson has it. Is he still going to have his explosion at 230 pounds? Is he still going to be able to run away from guys the way that he used to? Or is he just going to end up taking more contact when he tries to take off with the football? I'm really concerned about that.
1: Yeah, I don't have the Ravens making the postseason. And and the one reason I think they have a chance to make the postseason, I think John Harbaugh is in the top half of the the coaches, Mike. In fact, he's probably in the top five, at least the top ten. He's a really good coach. So he gives them a chance. But I just look at that roster and – Again, it's a difficult division outside of the Browns, at least until they get Deshaun Watson back. They do have a good roster. You're not just going to walk out on the field and beat the Browns. But you look at that division, and again, somebody's got to finish fourth, somebody's got to finish third, somebody's got to finish second, and somebody's got to finish first. So it's a really tough division. And, And when I look at that roster, I just don't know that it stacks up with the Steelers roster and with the Bengals roster. And that's why I didn't have them making the postseason. And, but it all goes back to Lamar Jackson and how he plays. And I'm with you between the, the illness, the injury, and everything else he had last season. I, I haven't seen the Lamar Jackson of the MVP year since the MVP year. And I want to see that Lamar Jackson. And if we see that this year, they're going to make the postseason. If we don't see that this year, they're going to be on the outside looking in yet again.
2: Someone did this and I can't remember who, but I you know you see so many things flash in front of your eyes on Twitter or wherever, but at some point in the past couple of months I saw that someone took a deep dive look at his career post 2019 and basically made the argument through numbers that he's just average and ordinary. You take out the MVP and he's not as special as he was that year. Remember how special he was in 2019? We're now 3 yeah. years removed from it. I mean 3 yeah. years removed from from Cam Newton's MVP season, he was not nearly the guy that he was the year that he took the NFL by storm. Last one, JF1616, why are the Packers above the 49ers when they lost Devonte Adams to the Raiders this offseason and the 49ers have been steadily beating them in the playoffs in recent years? Well, I mean, this is simple. First of all, it's not like there's a 10-spot gap. It's 5-6-7. Yeah, right. Packers at 5, 49ers at 7. And uh, no one connected directly or indirectly to the 49ers should be complaining about the 49ers at seven when their quarterback is completely and totally unproven. And I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that this decision to keep Jimmy Garoppolo around, isn't going to implode upon itself, but the 49ers have a great roster. They have no questions at any position other than quarterback. That's why they're behind the Packers though. The Packers have Aaron Rodgers. Matt LaFleur has been a phenomenal head coach. He's won 13 games, Three straight years, 13, 13, and 13. That's an incredible start to his career. He gets overshadowed all the time when we talk about great coaches in the NFL. And you consider the mess that he's been in the middle of, the disputes that he's been trying to mediate between Aaron Rodgers and the front office. He's kind of the go-between who's caught between dysfunction on each end. I I think the Packers uh, deserve the spot that they're at. My question is, can they get enough out of the receiving core to finally finally make an assault on a Super Bowl? And, Shereen, my take on the Packers is—I was telling somebody this yesterday, and I think I've said it before in this show— they're going to be better suited to make a run if they're not the one seed. I feel like they crumble under the weight of that pressure. They need to be 5, 6, or 7. They need to go on the road. They need to feel like they have nothing to lose, that everyone is looking down on their chances— to play as freely as they did back in 2010 when they went from being the sixth seed all the way to the Super Bowl champion.
1: Yeah, when I look at that question, I smile because I'm thinking Aaron Rodgers won the last two MVP awards. Of course, they're going to be ranked ahead because they have the proven quarterback. And, And that's just it. I mean, you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to will them to wins no matter who he has at receiver, no matter who he has in the offensive line or on defense or anything else. I mean, he's just that good. And if he plays as well as he did the last two seasons in the division they're in, Mike, you're right. They could end up with the number one seed. I do worry about those receivers, no question about that. But it's Aaron Rodgers. And we saw Tom Brady for all those years make good with whatever receivers they gave him, whatever receivers they were going to put out there. The Patriots are going to win that division, and I think it's the same thing with the Packers. The Packers are going to win this division. The question is, where are they seated after this season?
2: 13 days ago, we saw a horrifying brawl during joint practice between the Rams and the Bengals. The league didn't do anything because the league can't do anything. Will the league be changing the rules so that in the future it can? We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live.
0: Everybody protected each other. Everybody got up the situation clean, um, healthy. So that's what's that's what's matter. And um, ready for week one. I ain't here no, to my kids. My kids ain't see it neither. I hope they didn't. So.
2: Not a lot of contrition from Aaron Donald about the moment that he blew a gasket in joint practices with the Cincinnati Bengals and started swinging helmets. And look, it is a sad situation. It, I, uh, I don't want to climb up too high on my soapbox here, but if this wasn't Aaron Donald, I think a lot more people would be calling it like it is. I think a lot of people are tiptoeing around Aaron Donald. A lot of people in media are concerned about their access. They want to keep the Rams happy. Stuff like that just pisses me off. It gets in the way of right and wrong, truth and falsity. And the truth here is Aaron Donald and I know the game's going to be on NBC and the game's less appealing and attractive if Aaron Donald isn't playing, he should not be playing for what he did. He should have been suspended for what he did. The Rams weren't going to do it. And just because I accept that doesn't mean I condone it. I just know the Rams are never going to sit down Aaron Donald if the decision is left up to them. They weren't going to do it. He was disciplined. What was the discipline? We're not going to tell you. Yeah, it was a a talking to. It was a, please don't do this again. They were never going to suspend him. And that's important, Shereen, because we've seen what the NFL will do when it has the power over this kind of behavior. Miles Garrett was suspended six games for hitting Mason Rudolph over the head with his helmet during a game in November 2019. And the reason the NFL didn't do anything about this is they can't by rule. Isn't it odd the personal conduct policy applies everywhere in the world except on a practice field. And even when you're practicing with players from another team, The league can't do anything about it. And I say all this because Mark Maskey of The Washington Post reports that the league absolutely will look into expanding its jurisdiction to cover behavior during joint practices and treat that conduct the same way conduct during a game would have been treated. And if that's the case, if you do what Aaron Donald did, you are getting suspended, Shereen, and that's what the outcome needs to be.
1: And I figured that would be the case, Mike, that they would address this or try to address this after the season, the competition committee. And I think they will try to do that depending on what happens with their talks with the NFLPA. But, you know, this was uncalled for. And we see this more and more. We saw it with the Rams and the Cowboys a few years ago. I was there for that. And and it went over to the sidelines, almost into the stands. And people are leaning over and participating out of the stands. So some of these joint practices can get very dangerous. And I've seen it firsthand and we saw that and that should not have happened. Uh, And he should be suspended at least for one game. But I do, I will be curious, like how, because we actually had video of this. And if we just had, again, it's like the Ray Rice situation. When you just have the words, it's one thing. When you actually see the video and see what happens, it's something totally different. So are they going to have like a monitor at every joint practice, which I think they should? They should send a monitor out there to monitor these practice practices or are they going to get the the film from the teams after the practice to see how it goes or are they just going to rely on on fans video so they're going to have to take that in consideration because this is not a televised event obviously uh, but there will be video from the teams and i assume that they will be able to watch that but they probably should have a monitor there as well watching these joint practices which teams are doing more and more now The the starters play in those joint practices they don't play in the preseason games anymore
2: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think that that, you know, to the extent that for now we rely upon the the citizen journalist who happens to have the cell phone device out. And I think in this case, the person saw something was coming. So pulled the phone out to capture whatever came next and just got lucky. You need to have a monitor there when two teams. I mean, it's common sense. You got two teams going against each other. You, you are hoping that things don't boil over. And if you don't have the same consequences available for misconduct, then it's going to happen. I don't think Aaron Donald does what he did if he knows there's a chance he gets suspended for it. The fact that there he is that. no deterrence, that there is no punishment, allows the player to engage in the behavior. So we wouldn't even be having the conversation about Aaron Donald swinging helmets if he knew the end result was he could have been suspended. The fact that he knew he wouldn't be suspended – is what caused him to do it, which is why this needs to change. There is an interesting wrinkle, though, Shareem, and I've already heard from some folks about this. The union isn't just going to sign off on it. The union doesn't like the current fine system and suspension system for on-field misconduct. This is going to be a subject for collective bargaining. It's going to be mandatory. It's a change in the work conditions. The NFL just swooping in saying, we're taking jurisdiction over joint practices. The union has to agree to it. I think the union should agree to it, Because, Shireen, every time a union member swings a helmet and hits another player, that's a union member, too. And between the two, I think you should be protecting the person who's getting whacked over the head with a helmet. So hopefully the NFLPA will see that this shouldn't be treated as some sort of a collective bargaining game, which is exactly what the NFL would do if the shoe was on the other foot. I hope the union rises above that and says, you know what, this is in the best interest of everyone to ensure that there is a real deterrence for this kind of behavior.
1: And there should be, Mike. It shouldn't matter. As Aaron Donald said, well it was practice, wasn't it? That shouldn't matter. You should never be able to swing a helmet at another player. And this should be an easy one. And this should be one that the NFL PA signs off on without a lot of negotiation. It's a safety issue. And if if somebody gets their career lost by being hit over the head with the helmet, you know, it could happen. And you don't want to see that. Nobody wants to see that. And and they need to do something to rein these joint practices in because that's what it becomes because the players know there are no consequences. And as you pointed out, Mike, a couple of weeks ago, some coaches even like it. They smile about it. They talk about it in the meetings. Did you see the passion from Aaron Donald? Wow, we love that. Go get it. You know, he's got the team fired up, ready to go. So coaches, I, I don't want to say condone some of these joint practice fights, but they don't necessarily dislike them either.
2: Hey, Aaron Donald was a guy who had one foot into retirement in the offseason. So if you're Sean McVay, as long as nobody got hurt by the helmet that he swung and, and went flat when it hit another helmet, there's that, that yeah. horrifying still frame of a of a helmet – pancaked because of the force of Aaron Donald I, yeah, it, it just needs to be done and you know under the idea that it's just practice I, I guess you could rip someone's helmet off and stomp on his forehead with a cleat like Albert Haynesworth once did to Cowboys center Andre Garrod I mean this idea that it's practice so it's okay that needs to be rejected and repudiated by the NFL and by the NFL PA let's take a break we're gonna predict the order of the finish for the four teams in the AFC South when PFT Live continues right after this AFC South, the Colts, the overwhelming favorites at minus 140. Even though the Titans were the one seed last year, they are two to one to win the division. The Colts have Matt Ryan, who just kind of fell out of the sky into their laps at the time, and they didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. And look at the poor Texans at 28 to one. So we predict the finish of the four teams in the AFC South. And Shereen, we probably can just push right past four, and really three. I, I think we can stipulate it's Texans four and Jaguars three, if, if you disagree, you have the floor, but I can't imagine any other reasonable scenario that wouldn't have preseason Texans fourth place, Jaguars third place.
1: Well, the fourth place is harder for me, I know, than it is for you, and I am going to pick the Texans, but... The difference between these two teams last season, between having the second pick and wherever the tech, whatever they third was the two games they played against each other. And the Texans won both of those games and they finished four and 12 and the Jaguars were three and 14 because they lost those two games. So they got to beat the Texans. I do think the Jaguars are going to be better because of the coaching. I mean, it couldn't be any worse than what it was last season, but you now have a Super Bowl winning coach there. I don't see this as a team that's going to do a whole lot better than they did the Jaguars. I'm talking about the last four seasons, they'll be slightly better. 2019, they were 6-10. and 10. I would think they're going to be somewhere in that 6-7 win range. So I will pick the Jaguars third, but I'm going to be interested how they these two teams do head-to-head. When you think about the Texas, Mike, 2019... It was only 2019. They were killing the Chiefs in the first quarter of the postseason, and now look at where they are now having to rebuild after Bill O'Brien just destroyed that roster. I mean, you shouldn't be allowed to buy the groceries and cook the meal too. 24-0,
2: 24 nothing, and it should have been 28 nothing. Remember, they had a chance to make it a fourth touchdown, which could have been insurmountable. But then again, the Chiefs exploded for over 50 points, so maybe it wouldn't have mattered if it had been a touchdown or a field goal in that spot. And it wasn't that long ago the Jaguars were on the brink yeah. of a Super Bowl. They were up 10 and should have been up 17 over the Patriots in 2017 in the AFC Championship. But we're on the same page, and I agree with you. The Jaguars are going to have to beat the Texans. I just think they have the better team. They have the better coach. And uh, last year, obviously they had one of the worst coaches we've ever seen in the NFL. Thank God Urban Meyer is gone. Uh, second place, I've got to go with the Titans, and it really th- this is a great case study of how external perceptions and maybe it's deserved, but think about what the Titans did last year. They're the one seed. Yeah. They lose a heartbreaker in the divisional round that they easily could have won. And yeah. they are regarded as a team that won't win their division. That may struggle to even make the playoffs. I put them at number 8 in the power rankings and people are like, "Are you crazy? That's way too high." The Bills weren't the one seed last year. They have a heartbreaking loss on the road in the divisional round. So they weren't even the 2 seed. Either. They had to go play Kansas City. They ha- have the heartbreaking loss. They don't get to the AFC Championship just like the Titans. And the Bills are the team everybody expects to win the Super Bowl. I mean, between the expectations, Titans versus Bills, I want the bar where it is for the Titans. Mike Vrabel's got to be happy with that. Uh, Nobody's expecting anything out of the Titans this year, and I don't know what to expect out of the Titans, and I don't like the fact that they traded A.J. Brown. I don't like the pressure that's put on Traylon Burks to come in right away and be number one receiver or close to it. Maybe Robert Woods can get it done. Can Derrick Henry stay healthy? What's Ryan Tannehill have left? Does Malik Willis undermine him? But, I look, I – it's not It's not causing me to believe they're going to win the division again because I think the Colts have done enough to surpass them. But if I'm the Titans, I'm feeling pretty good about the fact that no one believes in me.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you, Mike. I think it's the Titans are going to finish second. And, and I don't have them making the postseason. They have three consecutive postseason appearances. And the last time they had a losing record was 2015. This seems to be a team that's always consistently right there. And I think... It's a lack of faith in my Aggie quarterback, which I have it too, in Ryan Tannehill after what he did in the postseason. It's just hard to believe that this is a team that's going to be able to do what they've done the last three seasons and make the postseason. And maybe he'll rebound. Maybe he wins comeback player of the year from sucking again, Mike. We've seen that before from him. But I think Derrick Henry is going to win comeback player of the year. I think he's going to be very good. And that gives the Titans a chance, of course, if they can – run the ball, win the time possession, play some good defense. But, yeah, when I compare these two rosters, I I just like the Colts better now that they have a quarterback who's not going to make those game-breaking, back-breaking mistakes uh, and give you a chance to win.
2: I love comeback player of the year because it literally can be coming back from anything. Whatever you want, whatever you want to say, however you want to interpret it, coming back from whatever – comeback player of the year Colts at number one look I when, when you consider how it ended last year week 18 all they have to do is beat the Jaguars who were literally just punching the clock on their way out the door the Jaguars beat the Colts when the Colts only needed that victory to get to the postseason I think Jim Irsay was ready to fire Frank Reich I think Chris Ballard talked him out of it I don't know that but something has to explain why Jim Irsay didn't do what I thought he was going to do. I mean, they threw Carson Wentz aggressively overboard the first chance they could get. Reich is the guy who brought him there. I think Reich has got to be feeling a little heat, but they got the ultimate reprieve in Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan's already changing the culture there. He's holding guys accountable. He's getting in guys' faces. And this is, this is just a perfect rebirth for him. You know, people say Tom Brady went to Tampa, won a Super Bowl in his first year with a new team. Then last year, Matthew Stafford goes to L.A., wins the Super Bowl. Will Russell Wilson do it with the Broncos? Hell no. Could Matt Ryan do it with the Colts? Hell yes. He could be the third one to pull it off. And the Colts could have a great year. Now, the AFC, not going to be an easy path of teams to navigate, but I think the Colts win the division, and maybe they fatten their record up enough that the road to Phoenix go through, goes through Indianapolis, which gives you a little bit of an edge when it's time to face those, those great AFC teams.
1: Mike, you said something, and I hadn't really thought about it until you said it. And that Week 18 game against the Jaguars, if they had won that game and gone to the postseason, Carson Wentz would probably still be their quarterback, no matter how they did in the postseason, because Frank Reich loved him so much. And you're not going to fire Frank Reich if they go to the postseason. So they would still probably have Carson Wentz as their quarterback. So you can look at this and say maybe that's the best thing that could have possibly happened to them. Because they they had last year more pro bowlers than any other team in the NFL. All they needed was their quarterback to play kind of, sort of, well. And Matt Ryan's going to do that. And so this is a team I think has a chance in the AFC, Mike.
2: I said exactly what you just said to me, to Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, right after the draft. And he was awesome. You can find the video on our NFL on NBC YouTube page somewhere. Just search for it. But he said, I don't think I would agree with you there I don't think I would go that far so I think they were getting rid of Wentz win or lose now if they get into the playoffs and start winning games then maybe you feel differently about Wentz but I think I think they knew what they had or didn't have in Wentz and it was proven out by the fact that they couldn't beat the Jaguars when all they needed to do was win that game and get to the playoffs we need to get out for a minute or two when we return the second annual (laughs) I am not looking forward to this draft of the teams that have no chance to make it to the playoffs. We'll do that when PFD Live continues right after this. Woo! It's so all hot. This one makes me very nervous. Picking, ultimately, between the two of us, six teams out of 32 that have no chance. Not just may not or possibly won't, but no chance. We are calling our shot.
1: Now we start getting in a little of the dicey area where it could be old takes exposed. Do one of these teams have a chance? And I'm really torn between Carolina and Cincinnati, and I think they both got a real small outside chance. But I'm going to go with Carolina. In my
2: mind, between the Panthers and the Bengals, it's a no-brainer because the Bengals are caught in a division with the Steelers, the Browns, and the Ravens. The Bengals are going to be in fourth place. The only way they're getting to the playoffs is if... All four teams from the AFC North qualify. Woo. It's all hot. <laughs> you know, I really didn't need to see that this morning, but that's how we felt a year ago. That's part of the fun of yeah. everybody being 0-0, zero and zero, and you play the season. Look, there were questions about Joe Burrow's knee. Jamar Chase couldn't catch last preseason. I mean, those were all real dynamics, and the Bengals immediately changed minds. And I jumped on – we don't need to see that, please. We, I jumped on uh, – Shereen went three for three. I was at least one – hey, two for three. That's not bad. That'll yeah. get you into the Hall of Fame in, in baseball. Um, let's try it again this year, Shereen. Teams that have no – why are we doing this again? Did we not learn last year – Teams that have no chance, unless they do, to get to the playoffs. Who do you have? Round one.
1: Oh, boy. Here we go. Old takes exposed for next year. Uh, I'm going to leave you the Texans, Mike, based on your power rankings. So I'm going to go with the Bears. I think they end up with the number one overall pick in 2023. I hate their roster, and I think they hate their roster based on their waiver claims. When you're claiming that many players as they did last week, you don't love your roster. You like other teams' cast-offs better than your own guys, and that's what we saw. So it's all going to be on Justin Fields. We're going to find out if he is their quarterback of the present and the future this year, and we'll see how that plays out, but I I just don't think – this is a team that's going to win very many games. Unfortunately for the fans of Chicago.
2: See, I, I'm nervous about picking any team from the NFC for this list because I feel like it's wide open for the wild card berths in the NFC because th- there there isn't that cluster of great teams in the AFC. I think there will be multiple teams that don't make it to the playoffs that could have won the Super Bowl. That's how good that conference is. So. That's why I'll go Texans. You're going to leave the Texans on the board. I'll take and I'm will take i taking the Texans. How are they going to navigate that murderer's row of opponents in the AFC and find themselves slipping in? And really the only thing that benefits them is the division they're in because they could pick up a couple of wins against the Jaguars. Maybe they can pick off a win or two against the, the uh, Titans. Maybe they get lucky week one against the Colts. I don't know at least i don't have to play all those other teams twice like the teams in the afc north and the afc west do maybe they can win enough games to to sneak it no 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 i'm not i'm not I, i'm they can't they they have no chance the texans have no chance i'll i'll own this one next year or sooner if they make it i'm not going to try to qualify or equivocate they have no chance
1: well I'm going to stick with the NFC, and Mike, you you made me really, really nervous because my three picks are going to be from the NFC, so this is going to be bad next year maybe for me, but I'm going to go with the Falcons because I think at some point they're going to need to play their rookie quarterback to see what they have in him because I just don't think this is a very good team. They haven't been the same team, Mike, since the second half of that Super Bowl in 2016. 2017 was the last time they had a winning record, last time they made the playoffs. And I just think it was a testament to how good Matt Ryan was, his ability that they won more game, They won as many games as they did three of the last four years. And I don't think Marcus Mariota is as good as Matt Ryan. So I think they're going to take a step back from those seven wins that they've had over the last few years and and probably get more in that four or five range and really be looking to the future to rebuild this team.
2: I'm going to go with the New York jets. Sorry, jets fans. I know you along with all the fans of the bad teams out there have caused yourself to think that this year could be the year, but you look at the AFC East, you got the bills, the dolphins and the Patriots, all legitimate playoff contenders right out of the gates. The Jets play the four teams, one after another, of the AFC North. They eventually have the Packers and the Vikings on the schedule. I think it's going to be a tough year for the New York Jets. And the way their schedule is structured, all the tough games are early. They could be dead and done and gone by the time they get to the second half of the season, which is what I think they will be. Jets, no chance of making the playoffs. Now we're going to take a break. We're going to have extra time to deliberate our final pick because that's where I got myself into trouble Last year, with that last selection, will we pick an eventual Super Bowl participant in round three? Stick around to find out. We'll be back with more right after this. All right, here we here we go. Round three of the teams that have no chance at making the playoffs. Last year, as a refresher, Shireen struggled between the Panthers and the Bengals took the Panthers and I said oh why'd you take the Panthers the Bengals are the no-brainer they have no chance in hell and they of course nearly won the Super Bowl thank God they didn't win the Super Bowl that would be the only way to make it worse who do you have Shereen? third round of the teams that have no chance to make it to the playoffs
1: well, I, yeah, we're rolling the dice here. I'm going to use your theory from last year that there's got to be some team to finish last in the NFC West. So I'm going with the Seahawks. And I know we don't say the T word out loud, but that's what this team looks like to me, that they're tanking for that quarterback after this year. 7-10 and 10 last year. This will be the worst record of Pete Carroll's career with the Seahawks. I think they win fewer than seven games. Whew, okay,
2: now, now, uh, I I, I had been far more confident in the Seahawks until recently. Like, recently, reality has settled in with Geno Smith as the starter, and they didn't make a play for Jimmy Garoppolo. And even though I'm a big believer in Pete Carroll as a coach, if you don't have the players, it's it's harder to be a good coach. As Dick Vermeil said at his Hall of Fame induction speech last month, I became a much smarter coach once I got Marshall Falk. All right. Um, I I, I want to say the Jaguars, but – I think they could be pretty good. And they're in that 29 spot. And we know what 29 meant for the Bengals last year. So (laughs) I am going to pivot to the Giants. Even though they're in a division that is fairly wide open, I just don't see it. I don't think they believe in Daniel Jones. They would have picked up the fifth-year option if they did. The offensive line still needs work. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is not going to contribute at all this year. I think they've got questions. They've got issues. The stink over that franchise is too strong for Brian Dayball and Joe Shane to get rid of it in one year. So I'll go Giants. So congratulations, Giants fans. Your team is going to the Super Bowl.
1: Well, and I had the Giants. I'm, I'm going to be honest here. I had the Giants as my fourth team just in case you picked one of my teams and I had to pivot some other way. So I did have them on the list, I'll admit. So if they make the playoffs, I'm right there with you.
2: So you came to the table with four, which is always a little risky. I always come to the table with six just in case. Well, you only need five because you're getting the first pick anyway. But you went all NFC teams. That's That it's in and scary, of itself it? is gutsy because I think the NFC is wide open. Wide open. Our door is closed. Shereen, be. thanks as always for joining me. Thanks to everyone else out there for some of your time. We'll see you tomorrow morning.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play.